Picture yourself at a Soviet summer camp, the August air humming with young pioneer spirit, golden campfires, green pine trees, the deep blue of Lake Pleschevo. Laughter echoes through the woods as you blaze wilderness trails to hidden coves. That is, until a deeper darkness falls. Campers start to disappear from familiar paths. Some reappear days later, naked and maimed, flesh stripped from bone. Others are never seen again. Rumors spread of a predator stalking the tree line, his calling card a tattoo etched on weathered hands that unspool innocence like a loose seam. The fishermen, they whisper, the name sending a bone-deep chill through mandatory campfire circles. He's the boogeyman your Soviet counselors warn you about when dusk approaches. But this monster is no myth, and he's just getting started. All right, what's up, everybody? Oh, sorry, we got to do all this stuff. Yeah. I, I forget. What stuff? <sighs> the whole Supremo thing. Like, welcome, oh, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 Well, we don't have any new Supremos this week, but that can change very quickly if anyone joins during our live. I mean, everyone listening to this live is a Supremo, but I mean, I'm just saying. But Are we uh, all caught up with our shots, too? Uh, today is for Lane, and then mm. uh, after Lane is Heidi. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are, cause they're a surprise. That was easy. Was that a peach? It was Malibu and peach. Ooh, that was a good combo. Yeah, I think I've done that one before, probably, but... Alright, tonight we're going to July 11th, 1986. We're talking about a 14-year-old teenager, Alexei. Alright, we are in the Soviet Union. Okay. This is the USSR. I really doubt anyone has heard of this story. No one has ever covered this story ever. before in the history of ever. And this is during the Cold War, correct? Sorry, I just felt like I needed to say that. Wait, is this before or after the Berlin Wall? But I know that's <sighs> different. I know it's different. Well, you know, the Cold War wasn't actually a war. Yes, I understand that. I do. The Cold War ended in 1969, where America went to the moon, baby. <sighs> It did. It did. You're not convinced that yeah, we went to the moon. No, no. Never mind. Never mind. That is a conspiracy. All right. Tonight, we're talking about a 14-year-old teenager, Alexei. He disappeared from the Svedna Pioneer Camp. I'm going to tell you what a pioneer camp is here in a little bit. It was huge in Russia during the USSR. A 14-year-old teenager disappears from this pioneer camp. What he didn't know is there was a serial killer laying in wait at this camp in the forest i showed you the area it's mostly forest around here mm -hmm. especially in 1986 during the ussr these little camps were out in the middle of nowhere nothing but forest and then these little military style camps this almost sounds like the plot of the american horror story season 1984 where these they went to this camp in the woods and then well it was actually richard ramirez that was like out to get them but hmm. anyway this boy 
boy was riding his bike through the forest, and he does this quite often along with the other kids too. They all do this on their free time. However, what he didn't know is there was a predator waiting for him on this particular day, and he didn't have a bike of his own, but he waited till this boy, 14-year-old, stopped and smoked a cigarette. Everyone smokes in fucking Russia in 1986. Everybody. Even the the fucking kids. Yes. He stops, he smokes a cigarette, and we're going to get right into it. This monster maniac jumps this boy. This boy gets jumped by this maniac, and this man takes a rope that he has brought from his home, and he starts stringing this boy up on a nearby tree in the forest. This man will, as he puts it, quote, imagines himself as a punitive fascist and starts to torture this boy while he's hanging up in this tree. Well, I just got right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Martin. Hey, hey. The maniac most of all enjoyed the agony of the victim, the trembling of his limbs, the glassy eyes, the involuntary defecation, urination, protruding tongue, frozen facial features, the death mask. This is the first time that this killer actually gets to, to release his fantasies that he He's been having since he was a boy. This is the first time he's going to kill somebody. This has came from years and years of being bullied and repressed. And now he's taking it upon this boy who is 14 years old that was riding his bicycle. See, here's my thing about that. I can understand to a certain point getting some sort of revenge against your tormentors but getting revenge against your tormentors but like putting it on someone else who is completely innocent that doesn't make any sense to me that's a really good point you brought up because that literally what you just said sums up this guy's whole mo Hmm. completely but was it like is the 14 year old related to any of his tormentors like was it his tormentors child or like no this is a random kid see that doesn't make any sense why are you projecting i'm not projecting why not are you, you i'm talking to the, him yeah i'm talking to the serial killer who did this in 1986 like that you know if these words could actually have an impact on something that has happened almost 40 years in the past this maniac this is it this is the time and you, we're gonna we're gonna paint a profile of this guy so you'll understand it okay but in my mind i already know this is the first release oh my god and this is the open opportunities a world of opportunities open up when he sees this frozen face and the protruding tongue and the involuntary defecation. His mind is going wild. He is imagining himself as a punitive fascist. And the boy now is hanging from the tree, squirming around. The maniac cut off the genitals of the corpse hanging on a branch and put it in a pre-prepared bag, then opened the abdominal cavity, making a cut with a knife from the chest down to the pelvic bones. He's not satisfied at this point because he thought it was going to be so much more. And this is escalation, too, because he's like, damn, the next one's going to be so much better. He's still not satisfied, so he cuts the corpse from the branch and he starts randomly stabbing 
the face and the head with a knife. He's experimenting. He doesn't really know what he likes yet. You know, he punished the boy, tortured the boy for a little bit in the tree. Now he can't do too much because he is in a public space, but he did what he could. He starts randomly stabbing a knife all in this boy's body. And then he takes the head by the hair and starts cutting the throat with a rusted blade. Being in an extremely excited state, the maniac at first wanted to take the head with him, but after a few hundred meters, nevertheless, he threw it away. So the reason that we know that he threw the head away is this, and this is super graphic. Is it a picture of a head? No. Definitely not. It's not, but this... Oh my God, that poor child. Oh, it is a head. Shit, Sergeant. Oh, fuck. That is a head. That, that is a head, Jen. Yeah. Definitely didn't know it was a head when you said it was not a head. Look Definitely at, didn't know it was a head when I asked if it was a head. Look at the protruding tongue. That Just like, like he described, right? Damn. That is the boy's head, and that's also the boy's torso. If you notice, the cut is super clean. Oh, yeah. Using a regular rusted knife, he definitely had some skill here. Oof. All right, tonight I am talking about a serial killer that is never mentioned, and there is no documentaries on it. There's no books on it. It is really obscure, but yet it is a fascinating serial killer. This is Sergei Golovkin. And let me show you this, uh, this man here. This is him right here. Sergei Golovkin. He is the second most infamous serial killer in Russia besides Chikatilo, the Rostov butcher. Chikatilo, tell me what's wrong. He doesn't look like a bad dude at all. No, definitely not. Would not have guessed. That's for sure. Let me talk about these pioneer camps right quick, because this is uh, pretty interesting. The pioneer camps were a USSR thing in the 80s. And this article here from Russia Beyond, the title is, These Abandoned Soviet Pioneer Camps Will Creep You Out. Photos. (laughs) I love, I love... Articles that start off that way. Amazing. So, pine- well, let me read you what a pioneer camp is first. Yeah, tell me. Okay, Jen, I will tell you. Shram says, Idaho killer plus Ryan Gosling. I, I agree. Sergey looks like. Pioneer camps were a common fixture among the, among the Soviet children. Pioneer organizations were youth groups for children ages 9 to 15, similar to Boy Scouts here in America. Most schools had a pioneer group. So this is, uh, it's kind of, it is similar to Boy Scouts, but not really. Is it like Survivor Camp? Jen, just open the damn bottle. It's a can. The pioneer camps in the USSR were more to promote a nationalist behavior. And Boy Scouts isn't really. That's just how to, you know, get touched by the scout leader. And I mean, um, get in touch with in the woods and, you know, he touches you. Oh, fuck. Boy Scouts are, uh, it's like a rape thing. It's yeah, just, there's, got it. there's this whole thing. Yeah, yeah we know. Anyway, we all right. It. The camps emph- emphasized communist ideology and patriotism. It was a summer camp. During the summer, when kids get out of school, they go and they go to these camps. Every kid did it. Every kid in the USSR did it at the time. They went to these pioneer camps. Girls too? Um, good question. That is a good question. I know, I think, well, yeah, because they, I mean, they needed to eat. So the, uh, the kitchens, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, these were only boy camps from what I'm seeing. 
the thing about these camps is, much like in the United States in the 1980s, we had a serial killer epidemic. Well, this is also the 1980s, and Russia also had a serial killer epidemic. However, the the hunting grounds for their serial killers were these camps. And many and many of boys across Russia were kidnapped, abducted, raped, and murdered from multiple serial killers because they went to these little camps. It was like free game. These camps were out in the middle of effing nowhere, and there's so many boys... 14-year-old boys running around. You, you don't know if one of them, you know, doesn't show up for roll call or whatever. They're just all over the place in the woods and everything. You can just snatch one right up. So there was a rampant serial killer problem, not just from this guy, not just from Sergey, but he was the worst, but from a lot of other guys, too, that wow. did this, that were never caught. Hmm. Ooh, never caught. Crazy. But basically, these camps were to, to really imprint the Soviet children with the communist ideology right did you see the netflix documentary camp death about in america how they had this um it was kind of a program for rebellious teens and they would take them on hiking like into the desert and they would do hiking and have to survive and do all stuff like that that's what i first when i thought when you said pioneer camp that it was going to be something like that it was in it was in the 80s and 90s but they don't have them anymore obviously but it was a big thing yeah it's a documentary yeah no i have not (sighs) All right, this man, Sergei Golovkin, has a couple monikers. Now, in Russia, he is a well-known name because of the horror stories that has came out about what he did. He is as well-known as Chikatilo in in Russia. Hmm. Anyway, this guy goes by several different names, one being the boa, like the boa constrictor. The next and the most prominent is the fisher. This man, Sergei Golovkin, who is not really well-known, here in America, but very infamous in Russia, has a few names. One being the boa, like the boa constrictor. The other being the more prominent fisher, like the fisherman. Mm. And stories about this maniac fisher are one of the most terrible memories of my childhood, says a former pioneer kid. They told me about him everywhere, both in the pioneer camp and at school. So it was almost like an urban legend that wasn't just a legend. Like these kids would probably be afraid of going to these camps if they thought that they were going to get knocked off. Exactly. Yeah. And this guy did stop for a little bit. And like I said, there were other serial killers. So the boys kept getting picked up. This was a big epidemic that I didn't even know about. There was a lot of boys that went to pioneer camp that did not come back. back, And they were a victim of different serial killers. So Fisher was mainly talking about this guy. But also the whole specter of, you know, being abducted at these pioneer camps. I mean, honestly, when you think about criminals like that who prey on children, it's it's a breeding ground for them. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. It's their dream. Mm-hmm. Kids out in the wilderness? Yes, please. You got to have a dream, man. Yep. I would have probably been abducted. Let me just be honest. I would have probably been abducted. 
Why? Well, because you were Nicole, too cute. Nicole and I would be in the kitchen, so we'd be yeah, safe. Yeah. According to you. It wouldn't have even been invited at all. Look at this big ass squid looking thing. Cthulhu? Weird. Huh. Weird. Very strange. And why does Russia always have these abandoned fucking Ferris wheels? Yeah. It's like they aim to be creepy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. here's a good one right here. This one says, Bayab Fotob. Bayab Fotob. That means please don't touch me there. Yeah. So that's uh, the Pioneer Camp. I hope you guys like that. Great. Thanks for that. All right. So these pioneer camps were a breeding ground for serial killers. Let's talk about his background real quick, and then we'll get into some more killing. Huh? You All guys right. like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. So this is him right here. Sergei Golovkin. That's him as a kid. Oh, what a sweet child. And I don't know. I think that's him on the right there. Yeah, that's him right there. But he was not a popular kid at all. No. Sergei Golovkin. This is about his childhood, and then we're going to figure out why he's like this, and then we're going to get back to some more killing. The girls liked guys who were well-dressed and passionate about music, but he was stooped, had pimples, and no one paid attention to him, calls Golovkin's classmate. All right. Sergei was born Sergei Golovkin on November 26, 1959 in the Soviet Union. His mother was silent, paid no attention to him, didn't give a shit about the son. Neither did the father. The mother was also a domineering bee. Mm. Really domineering. Sounds like a pattern that we know. Like a lot. Ma- mother. Ma- domineering domineering mother. mother. With that, I want to say, if the father was submissive to the mother, this Sergei may have been schizophrenic. Mm. Okay. When I did the Ed Gein story, yep. this uh, psychologist named, I think his last name is Aretti. I think he's French. But anyway, he discovered a link between schizophrenia and several patients. They all had an overly domineering mother paired with a submissive father and that i don't know but that's not him because the father was also domineering oh also a very heavy drinker they would get divorced soon while sergey was still a child but there were some serious problems i've seen in one russian report where the father was most likely sexually abusing sergey as a baby and through childhood i don't like that now sergey is an only child one of the reasons we think that he was sexually abused by the father is because he would have these disorders early in life, such as he would be frequently ill, he would have urinary incontinence, and he would vomit all the time. Just re- just randomly vomit. vomit. Yeah. Okay. The father treated Sergei worse than a house pet. When Sergei was finally arrested for his crimes, one of the things the papers picked up on is his stench. He never took a shower, even in prison. Never wanted to take a shower. Even when he was snatching these boys, he never ever took a shower until the day he died. Ew. And he accredits that to his father pouring ice water on him every day and kind of saying you're filthy. Here's ice water. Jesus. So it in later in life so later in life he literally refused to ever shower again. See, I can't imagine that. Like, it just like it feels gross. Like, how could yeah. you not want to? I mean, to sh- not shower every. Oh man. Oh yeah. There was no love in this family. There was no bedtime stories read. There was none of that. No good job, son. No holding them. No patting on the back. None of that. They were cold and detached until they were divorced. 
And then they basically threw Sergey in this pioneer camp and school and forgot about him. Sergey grew up extremely lonely and withdrawn. Not only that, he had acne and acne scars all over his face. He was stooply, like Nicole read, Mm -hmm. very stooply, kind of pathetic. He would get bullied. He was the lowest of the class as far as the social hierarchy goes Mm -hmm. in his school in his peer group. As a child, when he was 12 to 14 years old, he one day was severely beaten by a gang of his classmates. The beating almost led to his death. They broke his nose, they knocked all of his teeth out, and they nearly killed the boy. However, Sergei lived, and this became his main motivation to his killings later down the road. When he first hung this 14-year-old Alexei up, By the neck, not enough to choke him out to kill him, but just enough to get him squirming around. He's going to torture him up there, you know, kind of play with him with a knife, like a, quote, punitive fascist. He did that because every, and when he, he says this too, when he was torturing these boys, he would always think about the boys that tortured him this one day, broke his nose, they knocked all of his teeth out, they basically almost killed the boy, and the parents didn't even care enough to put band-aids or ointment on any of the wounds or anything. They just didn't care. Wow. He became obsessed with revenge after this one incident. He rapes boys and kills boys. He's a a child killer, but specifically on boys. Mm. He's not gay. He's only doing this, and he's only doing the sexual rapes and stuff with the boys because of revenge. They did this to him. I didn't see this, but I would like to say that, because I know in a lot of these cultures, even back in this time, I don't know if you ever read The Kite Runner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those boys will will rape mm-hmm. the yeah. the victim. Like yeah. they'll gang just, rape the victim as a humiliation. Yeah. So now when every time Sergey is going to kill one of these boys, yes, he does rape them, but it's not a sexual thing. He gets off, yeah, but because of the f- violence and the torture, that's what gets him off. And he only kills boys because that's who he's trying to get revenge on. His motive is revenge, and it's on boys because that's who tormented him all through his high school. Mm. The girls just didn't even notice him. I mean, he he never even talked to girls. I mean, he's not he's he's not homosexual though because he will talk about wanting to be with females, wanting to be with girls, but he's he's not going to go talk to them because he is shy, shy, pimply, embarrassed, kind of pathetic. You know, he would never go up there. He was beaten so badly by the boy in his own class so badly he nearly lost his eyesight he couldn't even remember who attacked him but ever since that day he wanted to get revenge but here's the problem who did it i know it was a group of kids group of boys but no one has came forward no one is admitting they did this yeah so he is harboring this revenge all through his childhood until he grows up and when he killed that boy that we already talked about he was 29 i believe Mm -hmm. 29 to 30 he started imagining himself torturing all of his male classmates, thinking of himself as this powerful fascist with this whip and he's got complete control. They are submissive. They are begging for their lives. He's whipping them. He's branding them with hot irons. He is thinking about this while masturbating. That's his first time ever masturbating is that's the material he thinks of. And it reminds me of uh, Richard Mary 
Alvarez. Remember his first material that he thought of? Remember his cousin went to Nam and then brought back oh, that. Oh yeah, brought back the, the head, the shrunken head. Yeah, right? brought back the not only the photo of him getting the first photo of him getting fellatio from this girl, uh-huh. this random Vietnamese Vietnamese girl. The next photo is of him holding up her head, and then he actually brings the head back. So at twelve years old, Richard Ramirez is now masturbating. The first time he's ever seen a naked woman is when she had no head. Yeah. That is like not the best material for a boy to start masturbating to. No. No. He starts thinking of himself, imagining himself himself as brutally raping these boys to humiliate them, to put them in pain. He would slash swastikas in their chest and he would burn them in a frying pan. That's what he said. He would slash swastikas in their chest. Wow. And then he would burn them in a frying pan? Did he eat them too? This guy's extremely violent and extremely sadistic. Let me tell you his other name that is less talked about, but we're going to get into in the next episode. Okay. So his name is the Fisher, mm-hmm. which we'll get in more to, the Boa, uh-huh. and also the Blowtorch Cannibal. Hmm. I was like, holy shit, this is the only case that combines a blowtorch and cannibalism. How the fuck can I go wrong with this? Some of the photos are seriously real bad with this guy. Yeah. Anyway, we're still talking about his childhood now. Um... Like I said, he suffered from multiple health issues. The family didn't even give a shit about him at all. The father was violent to him, not only pouring this ice water on him and most likely molesting him, also beating him with his fist. Like, I mean, when he got beat up, oh, you just a little pussy, you didn't fight back. And then the father would just hit hit him over and over, you know. He became a social outcast, and he spent all of his time alone. And this is the first time we start seeing disturbing behavior. He found a cat out in the woods, and at the age of 13, he hanged it up on a tree, just like he did that boy. Mm. Just like he would do that boy 20 years later. He decapitated it and then had sexual fantasies about it. The cat? Yeah. He went into this whole cat-killing torture of animal phase that we see in a lot of serial killers. All right. That's terrible. This is from one psychologist. Unable to practice traditional sex, he not only killed children and young men, but also satisfied his sexual needs with them. Actually, this was not sex in the original sense of the word. Homosexual, homosexual contacts for Golovkin were primarily important as a way of torture, punishment, and humiliation of a teenager and sometimes acquired an extremely cruel and sadistic character. The pattern of behavior may be due to the fact that Golovkin himself may have been sexually abused by his father as a child. So it's kind of what I said earlier, right? Like, he's only doing that because he's not, he's not gay. Usually before the act of masturbation, he imagined classmates with whom he had sexual intercourse and with boys, not girls, and tortured them, imagining himself as a fascist, torturing young pioneer heroes, the same boys as his classmates, who were Naked and those writhing in pain are fried in a frying pan or burned at the stake with profiles of Hitler or devils with horns gouged out on their chests. Sometimes I fantasized about these topics among random people, for example, on the street, Golovkin testified. At 13, I said,
said he found a cat, brought it home, hung the cat up, cut off the cat's head, and that is one of the first time he felt that warm release in his pants. That was like the first time he ejaculated. After then, he started having, quote, dreams about exhuming a corpse and dismembering it. That's he, not normal. Nope. He tortured many other animals, too, even fish. I saw once that he took a boiler plate, you know, like a heating, just a heating plate, mm-hmm. and he lowered it into a fish tank. That's fucked up. But yeah, that's worse than what they're doing at Bass Pro Shops. What would this guy with these problems and this sadistic nature towards animals, what would he grow up to become? A serial killer. As a profession. A plumber. <laughs> <laughs> a chef. A teacher. Camp counselor. <laughs> close that was actually really close that was really close what also was prevalent at these pioneer camps what were you gonna say nothing i just chuckling something also prevalent at these pioneer camps which brought him there to many pioneer camps is because he was the horse veterinarian How at the close? camps. Because oh, he would oh, he camp would, counselor. Yeah, he, he would. I thought you were saying teacher was close. No, he would live at the camps as the horse veterinarian. Oh no! So the kids can do horse rides. Oh my god! And everyone loved him. He was fantastic. This is literally him with one of the boys right here. He was fantastic with not only the kids, but with the horses. Wow. Like, he had found his calling in life. And he was an exceptional, exceptional equestrian trainer and veterinarian. So, isn't that nuts? Go from animal cruelty to being a veterinarian. Yeah, that's very ironic. And loving horses. Now, it was... Well, he was probably like, hey, you want to take old Joe out for a ride Uh to the country? And then he would get away on horseback. Yep. That's my guess. Where's Timmy? I don't know. He was renowned as a horse trainer, an expert in all things equestrian. He studied complex manuals and graduated at the top of his class, excellent, perfect grades at the Timoyavsev Academy for horse training. Now, he's 20 years old at the time when he graduated, and even his parents then did not approve. Like, why would he give a shit? But they would call him, they would say that job is for morons. But he worked and he obtained a degree in uh, horse breeding. That was his actual degree. Okay. Horse breeding. Hmm. And he was even nominated for a silver medal at the USSR Exhibition of Economic Achievements for his degree and for his work doing this. Mm -hmm. He would be sent to camp after camp after camp to not only show kids how to ride the horses and take care of them, but also how to do maintenance. Maintenance Maintenance, on them. Yeah, maintenance on them. But the whole time he has his unclean appearance and he smells like total shit, but yet he's getting all of these boys coming up to him, asking him to take him for horse rides and stuff like that. The females... They probably who, just assumed the stink was the horse. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is a this answers your question here earlier. The females who worked at the farm pitied him. They would bring him food because he was a bachelor, but he was a weirdo, a creep. But he wasn't harmless. I mean, he looks harmless. Yep. He doesn't look like he's going to do anything. Correct. Well, okay, so that was 
but that sounds like it's older females, like like at least marital age, not like children that would bring him things. Right. I'm talking about like I, my question was more towards did were girls, young girls, required to go to these camps? I don't know. I mean, I, okay. I guess if no, 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 you're fine. I mean, they no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. They need to eat, Jen. The boys need to eat, or the girls need to eat. He's gonna say yes. All right. Sorry. Before I was rudely interrupted. Um, working as a veterinarian, Golovkin would often inseminate mares. Oh, I don't like where we're going with this. Wait, he would inseminate mares. I mean, like with, oh, by God. himself, with or a, like, or he would with the turkey baster. <laughs> you remember that Rick and Morty where? Yeah, he yeah. fucks that horse thing. All right, um, like Mr. Hands, but opposite. It was a robot, I think. Right, Golovkin often inseminated mares while his eyes either sparkled or became cloudy, as if he was in a trance. And this strangeness was noticed by everyone around him. He usually bred seven to ten mares, while others bred only two to three. That's a lot. He is double efficient. He is good at his job. Having put on a special glove and checking the mares for foiling. Foiling? Foiling? Yeah, that would be like to see if they have, if they're pregnant because the baby horse is called a foal. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. He began to fill the internal genital organs of the animal for a long time, receiving such great satisfaction from this that sometimes he ate, sometimes he even sang. All right, I like the silence. Is <laughs> it, it is just fit, it's kind of fitting that this his love for horses did turn into bestiality, it, and it did it turned into bestiality. Well, you already said that he inseminated the mares, so yeah. All right, so now you guys know his background. Let's talk about some of these attacks, right? 1984 was the first attack. He has been working in this camp, seeing these boys. They've been riding in his buggy. He's been seeing them jiggle up and down with the horse clopping, clop, 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 clop. He's like, I'm ready to clop. So in 1984, he tries the first attack. However, the victim gets away. From the testimony of a victim, Andre K., quote, I was in the Romantic Pioneer Camp. And they called them Romantic Pioneer Camps. Like, it's romance. I I don't understand it. Some USSR bullshit, right? Was it the Romantic period in the USSR? Because, I don't, I mean. Maybe, I don't know. I was in the Romantic Pioneer Camp. I went out Outside the camp to smoke didn't go far suddenly i felt somebody touching my shoulder an unknown young man in a green rain jacket stood behind me he took out a knife and threatening me with it tied my hands behind my back put something on my head perhaps a cap and said go into the forest if you want to live there he put a knife to my stomach and ordered me to lie face down i don't remember what happened next i was looking for something for a long time running through the forest. I was in shock. Doctors later discovered necks. Oh, oh, doctors later discovered marks on my neck from the rope, end quote. Here's what happened to this boy. Golovkin hung this boy from a tree and because he wants to be the punitive fascist, mm-hmm. he wants the, the boy to be alive, but also know that he's in control. He's got him hanging up there. He can do whatever he wants. Mm. And guess what? He's already 
he's already carries that horse whip with him everywhere he goes. What do they call the thing? The horse whip? Oh, I, there is a name for like it. A, not the bridle. No. That's the... I don't know. No, it's the... No. no. It's the one the Nazis carried, like uh, Ilza Kake or whatever. The bitch of Buchenwald. Isn't it just a whip? No. no. Yeah, but it's got a name. There's a name for it. A lasso? It's, it, if you think about it, it's fitting for him to do all this. Everything fits perfectly, in my opinion, does it not? He hangs this boy from a tree, strips him naked, and then sexually violates him in many ways. He thought the boy was dead, but turns out he wasn't dead. Now, this is important. But seeing signs of life in this boy jolted him from his trance. The, this was he is, excited or was he mad that he saw signs of life? Well, so, all right. It, it reminds me of Ted Bundy. There was a victim who got away because she she had said something. I can't remember what, but it jolted him from a trance. So these killers, these sexual sadists, in all reality, cannot help what they're doing. Mm. They are basically in another realm in a trance while they're doing this. And you can break them out of that trance. And I see this a lot when we do these stories. But anyway, he was jolted from that trance and he's like, oh shit, what the fuck? He he says that it's a crop, a riding crop. Oh yeah, it is a crop. There you go. And I was, I was, I was literally about to say, I think it starts with a C, but yeah. Cunnilingus. Not the same thing you're looking for. Showing signs of life from this boy. Now he's out of his trance. He cuts the boy down and leaves him there. So you see remorse now, or you see something. Something. The boy was in the hospital for over a month. Post-hypoxic leukoencephalopathy, DPHL, is a syndrome that occurs in people that have a period of prolonged cerebral hypooxygenation. So basically, if you're choked for a long period of time, you don't have any air, this is what happens to your brain. Mm. Now, this is some science fucking... I can't even read half of this shit. Um, it's a rare condition that can occur following any event that causes a period of prolonged cerebral hypooxygenation. Mm. So it's uh, whatever the fuck. It's, it gets you in a comatose state. So this boy was in the hospital for over a month after this. He doesn't remember who did it or what. Now this guy works in the camp, right? And they can't figure it out. And number one, he's moving to different camps. Mm-hmm. And See, and wouldn't th- that be sketchy? Like if he was moving about to different camps? Or was that already in place? Like if he was mm. supposed to be at camp one on Tuesdays and Thursdays and camp two on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if he was moving about, that's, you know, one thing. Or yeah. or if he was supposed to be at this camp, you know, from June to July and then from July to August, a different camp, that's one thing. But was he, but was he contracted to work at different camps or was he moving to different camps on his own? From what I read, to answer that question, these camps were aplenty in Russia, and it seems like he would work at one and then go abduct at a different one on his own free time. Hmm. That's what I saw, but I I don't know. Like I said, this is all translated from Russian, so, you know. But, like, I wonder if, because he was moving to different camps, if he was working at one camp and then went to another camp to abduct, if they would already be familiar with him from working with the horse 
horses and that's how he would lure the boys to the woods yeah but he is one of the most respected campers at the place all the boys love him you right. see photos of boys like basically climbing on his lap to go ride that, the horses but that's what i'm saying like if he if he was if he was working at a total of three camps over the summer for example and all the boys loved him and then the next summer he wasn't at those camps he was at a different camp but then he went back to like visit and just to say hello of course they would remember him and be like oh my god sergey like and he was like oh come on let's take a horse right out to the woods and see this really cool thing and they're like yeah absolutely because you're a really cool dude and then he would just like kill them damn it jen i think you just made me sober i was having <laughs> i was having a good time and now i'm literally sober <laughs> You can have fun when you're sober. <laughs> you don't have to be drunk to be having a good time. Uh, April 19th, 1986. This was two months before his first murder. 5 p.m. He's in the forest and he sees a 16-year-old boy riding on his bicycle going to visit his grandmother. This sounds like some Red Riding Hood shit right mm-hmm. here. Mm. He catches up with the boy after the boy stopped for a smoke break. He walked up, asked for a match, but then immediately presented the knife he had hidden, roped the boy's hands, raped him repeatedly, and strangled the boy, and then slit his throat. Oh, dear. This was a particularly bad event. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because the boy, who was found dead, obviously with his throat slit, not only was found in this way, but he was also found by his father. And the boy had numerous stab wounds in the neck chest and his testicles the or his genital region the scrotum was cut off and not present at the scene dang the corpse was naked there was lesions on the genitals and the bloods and blood staining the surrounding leaves so, so he took his testicles to go eat and fry him up rocky mountain oysters oysters i almost said meatballs but i forgot 20 days later the village of zarache so these are different villages different pioneering camps in a recreation area a corpse of a brutally murdered 16 year old boy was found stabbed with 35 knife wounds and this is the one that really not only gets the authorities to take notice but also scares him and he will after this one because this is when they really start looking for him he takes a break he ends up killing 11 boys between the ages of 10 and 16 from 1986 to 1992. Dang. Before we close this episode, let me get to some of the investigation. This man, Sergei Golovkin, had a tattoo on his arm with the name Fisher. He would also tell the victims that he was about to kill that the Fisher is, I'm the Fisher. Because they already know these stories. It would just make them that more, much more terrified. Mm-hmm. The few lucky ones that got away told the authorities the the Fisher story. Like, this is the Fisher, the Fisher, the Fisher. The authorities, the USSR, over the period of night between 1986 to 1989, after that murder I just talked about, they spent a lot of resources and checked nearly 50,000 people registered in the USSR, anyone possibly matching a 
fisher, either a chess player fisher or a fisher man, everything. But they were barking up the wrong tree because this guy would only say he's the fisher to his throw victims. people off. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't, that's not his name. His name is Golovkin. He's not a fisher. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? He, he would do it to perpetuate the story almost hmm. from what I'm seeing. Huh. That makes sense. Before killing his victims, he informed them that he was the legendary fisher and enjoyed the horror that was reflected on the faces of the children who could not believe and realize that their stupid childhood horror stories at that moment suddenly became a reality and much more terrible than they could even imagine. During 1986 to 1989, he stopped killing completely because the USSR, were they were getting real close to, to finding him. Now, there were multiple killers going on, but there was only one doing this, like the complete cutting off the heads, the balls, like everything, right? Between his downtime of not killing anyone, he starts to think to himself, you know what? This is really fun. I love doing this. But there's a problem. I do it in the woods and I can't really express myself like I want to. So then he starts thinking, what if I had a private residence where I could do this, bring the boys there and perform anything I want? (laughs) And that's the next part we're going to talk about where he brings the boys in. And that's where he becomes known as the blowtorch cannibal. Hmm. Wow. Goodness. So what do you guys think of this? Um, and that sudden change reminds me of Richard Ramirez, how he realized that same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of them realize that stuff. Like, oh, if I had my own place, yeah, I could really get fucked up here. Yeah. On the next episode, I'll talk about how he rents a, or not rents, he commandeers a horse stable and underground he puts a dungeon of sorts and he starts torturing kids. And that's where he's going to kill the majority of the kids. Lovely. So I hope you guys uh, look forward to that. Can't wait. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Indeed. Uh, no, I. so I only talked about three kills today. And we're going to get into the majority of the killing when he's in the dungeon. But it's a whole nother part to the story. It's literally at like the halfway point right here. Well, so I'm gonna stop it right here. It. Yeah. So, but anyway, we're gonna do that and probably like Monday or something. But that's all I got. So, thanks for being here and until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. I kind of run this shit.